0: Good morning and welcome to episode 375 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Ben Lindberg, joined by Sam Miller. And today we are joined by Jack Moore of Classical and Sports on Earth and every other site on the internet where people have written about sports. Uh, and we're going to talk to him about the Orioles a little bit, um, who have been, I feel like, a, a feel-good story for most of the last couple years. And you're doing your best to to throw <laughs> some cold water on the feel-good story and make us all feel bad about the Orioles again. Uh, you've, you've written a couple times recently about... Peter Angelus at uh, getting blanked. and uh, and there there hasn't been too much to talk about with the orioles this this winter because they they haven't really done much. They haven't made many moves. Uh, and so we've ended up talking a lot about their stringent physicals. Uh, and you've written a bit about their their history of tough physicals and voiding contracts. Uh, it is not just Grant Balfour. So take us, take us through the history of the Orioles and physicals.
1: Yeah, this, this definitely isn't a new thing. So it goes back to, to the late 90s when they signed Xavier Hernandez to a $2.5 million contract. And apparently they added him to the roster before they did the physical or before they did their tough physical or whatever because they later discovered that he had a torn rotator cuff. And that pretty much ended his career. Um, they voided the the Orioles attempted to void the contract, and uh, they did manage to save seven hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars after a settlement. Hernandez, his career ended after that. Mm-hmm. The next one was in two thousand. You have Aaron Seeley signed with the Orioles to a four year twenty nine million dollars deal. And again, they did the same thing like they did with Balfour. Uh, physical happened. they dropped their offer. Uh, I believe they dropped their offer for Balfour. They had him sign to a two-year, $15 million deal. They dropped it to something like one year, $6 million. What they did with Sealy is they dropped it from four years and $29 million to two years and $15 million, which he said no, ended up going to Seattle and signing, this, signing the same deal. Uh-huh. Huh. And uh, are you going to say something there? Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay. Uh, next was Jeremy Bernitz in 2006. They had a two-year, $12 million deal with him. Uh, they backed out again uh, but this time this time it turned out to be right the first time Sealy went on to be very good with uh, with Seattle he was he had a 108 era plus in two years there five wins above replacement that's it's pretty well worth 15 million even then I would say mm-hmm. for Nitz not so much he had an 81 OPS plus for Pittsburgh in his uh, in 2006 that same year that the Orioles backed out of the deal and was then done he retired mm-hmm. Um, and there's a,
0: well, so, so the idea of, of being strict with your physicals in, in principle, at least makes some sense that you would want to be as thorough as you possibly can be. And that if anything comes to light in the midst of that, you, you would want to avoid a deal rather than, than commit to pay millions of dollars to someone you think might get hurt. But, uh, you you think there's there's more of a, a nefarious aspect to this than just pure
1: caution? Right. Well, the question is, is there actually a medical reason to, to cut the guy beyond, you know? I, I imagine with any major league player who's made it to free agency, so they've already played six years in the majors, you're probably talking with most guys another three, four years in the minors. Ten years of professional baseball, wear and tear on a body—you're gonna have something on a physical that you could say, Mm, that's not looking too good." That and that's that's pretty much what they said it was the case with Grant Balfour when they talked to other uh, other team physicians. They talked to the Reds and they talked to the the Rays, who ended up signing him, and, and they were like, "Yeah, uh, we we did his physical after his first surgery. This nothing looks off here. This looks like exactly what you would expect." For a pitcher who is 36 years old, who just ha- who had a major arm surgery, but this is there's no reason here that I would say we should kill this deal, there's nothing you shouldn't have already known here, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is, uh, this is kind of what Frank Wren told the New York Times in 2006. That's how Peter plays general manager. He uses medical reasons to kill or change a deal if he doesn't like it.
0: So, uh... I guess my question would be then, why doesn't he kill the deal before it's even signed? Is it? I mean, if he if he doesn't like the deal, why why even let the GM go through with it and then try to meddle after it's done? Yeah, or he, that's
1: that's a great question. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe these guys, uh, you know, the the hot stove can go pretty fast. Maybe. You know, uh, Andy McPhail is coming to an agreement with these guys Mm -hmm. while, you know, winter meetings are going on or something. Mm -hmm. And so they come to the agreement and then Angelos hears about it and he's like, oh, I didn't want to sign this guy or, you know, something to that effect. And it it results in it's just not a good look. If you're a free agent, you reach an agreement with with the team. You're locked up for the next five days. You know, a week later, they come out and say, oh, no deal. Three guys signed while you were wait- waiting, one guy was in your position, and then your market's gone. And, and not just, only... And, had... and,
2: and and they've stuck a stink to you, basically, yes, too. Yes, right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which I guess, you, you know, when, when we talked about this a, a little bit with the, the Marlins um, when salt has signed with them, but like when, when there's a team that seems to be doing players wrong, it sort of surprises me that players keep signing with that team like it feels like you know this is a strong union these guys are fairly united against ownership when it comes to business practices it seems like there would be a stronger um kind of push by players to just like not um you know not reward the owner that does this so do do you think that there are signs out there that the orioles uh have a harder time signing guys than they should because of this or is it just the fact that when it comes down to it every player's their own uh their own product and is just trying to get as much as he can and kind of forgets the lessons of the past
1: i mean i'm sure at some point it's it's the latter like at some point if peter angelus is willing to pay you a certain number of millions you're gonna take that of course but yeah we saw with their uh their GM search before they got Dan Duquette when they had they had people like uh, Tony LaCava, who was an assistant GM in Toronto, decided to return to that job instead of becoming the GM in Baltimore. And, it, and you know, Toronto was at the time one of these up and coming exciting front offices or whatever, but still who's going to, how many people are going to turn down a GM job when the option is returning to an assistant GM job or it doesn't, I mean, it certainly didn't seem like he was going to depose the, Alex Anthopoulos anytime soon and he wasn't the only one yeah
0: I was I was going to ask you about that because it was I mean I don't want to say that they couldn't give that job away but they they certainly had a hard time attracting really any of the the top Duquette, candidates Duquette that had you been hear out about of,
1: uh, baseball since 2002
0: right all right uh and so the the speculation at the time was that no one wanted to work for for Angelus. Um, and I just uh, sports or uh, Wikipedia told me about a, a Sports Illustrated article from from 2009 where SI tried to rank the the worst and the best owners. And at the time, Jeffrey Loria was fourth worst, uh, whereas I I think today probably he would be the, the consensus worst, uh, not only because of. His actions but because the the marlins are not competitive at the moment whereas the orioles at least have been for the last couple of years uh but at the time when they when they did this ranking angelus was the worst uh because he had taken control of a team that had a had a strong roster and had a new ballpark and uh were competitive for a few years and then uh, supposedly be just became a Uh, a repetitive you know habitual meddler firing people uh and and having a a team that didn't spend as much as it had at one time and wasn't as competitive um and you you talked about the the davy johnson story as well in your in your latest post which i guess is a another example of this meddling sort of behavior
1: yeah i thought this was real interesting i it somehow came, managed to come up at Twins uh, a Twins Fest event, which should give you uh, some idea of how widespread Peter Angelos' meddling can get. So Scott Erickson was in town for this event, uh, the Twins Daily Winter Meltdown. And uh, Scott Erickson's the, the discussion turned to managers because um, the host asked about managers that Erickson had played with outside of his Twins career. And he says, Davey Johnson was a great manager with with the Orioles. I think he was the only manager of the year to get fired for being manager of the year. That was the way it was with the Orioles. We won the first game of the season. We're in first place every day the whole year long, and he got fired. And the host says, that's that's Peter Angelos, right? And, and Erickson, without skipping a beat, this was I was really excited to hear what he had to say because I had just written both of these pieces, and here was something talking just about this. Like, oh, what's he going to say? Is he? I kind of expected he was going to defuse it because that's kind of what the good employee does. But no, he, he says, that is, and it's funny. Because Davey was the last one to the field every day. We had a veteran team. He'd fill out the lineup the night before, go golfing all day, and show up for batting practice. That's like what Tori did in New York. You don't have to do a whole lot when you've got teams like that. And, and you know, Erickson, from, from all accounts, Erickson and his teammates loved Davey Johnson. And then and angelo aspires him for being manager of the year uh
0: so if you if you had to to do your own ranking of worst owners right now would would you put him near the top of the list is loria still still clearly at the bottom or at the top or how do we even do we even have enough information to to make that judgment or are we sort of reading into things that we may not know the full story of
1: I I guess there's a few different ways you could do this ranking, right? You could say, I mean, I don't know if Peter Angelos is necessarily as much of, you can be, there's some bad people in baseball. I would, I would say owners, like in terms of running businesses that are really, uh, you know, it's especially greedy and stuff like that. And Angelos, he he made his money a little cleaner in most of them. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like who prevents their team from winning the most yeah, it's either him or Loria, and Loria's team has won two World Series since Angelos took over. Mm-hmm. So, um,
2: I like that Tom Hicks was number two on this list. Yes. the year the year before he went to the World Series. Uh huh.
1: Um.
2: Do you guys just out of curiosity? I mean, the way that uh, Angelos goes about this, and and you know, I think that the Wren quote that you that you cite is particularly important because it really shows that this is like uh, this he's not just doing due diligence the perception even within the club is that he's sort of um, you know uh, abusing protocol more or less but it take away the, the bad motives if the Orioles if the Orioles simply had a, a more stringent physical uh, process for free agents than other teams and it led to guys being weeded out for whatever reason um And, you know, they were sort of more upfront about it and they didn't, you know, quite tarnish players as loudly. Uh, Would you have any issue with that? I mean, that seems like a potential uh, place where a team could maybe stand out. But on the other hand, like, as you note, there's real long-term consequences to word getting out that one team doesn't like another guy's uh, physicals. So, like, I guess I'm just saying this is somewhat slightly off topic, but, uh, has he sort of also maybe stumbled on like kind of a, a smart tactic
1: here? Well, uh, in terms talking just purely competitively, there's an interesting balance that takes place, right? Because you, yeah, you have to make these decisions as to guys who will get hurt, but that might end up driving, driving people away either in terms of they won't want to go there in the first place or you just won't be taking these good guys that are injury prone but sometimes those guys manage to stay healthy over a four year deal so i think it's hard to say whether it's a you know even just purely competitively speaking if it's a smart play
2: yeah like i'm kind of reminded of when the angels signed our pools and there were still like you know there've always been these rumors about his age and this, so there were questions right after about whether they kind of did their due diligence on on his age and whether they checked and they're like, no, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't look at it at all. And you sort of got the sense that it would have been perceived by Albert to be disrespectful if they had, and it would have hurt their chances. And so, to some degree, there's like maybe a, a little bit of a way where the players are able to hold owners and and teams hostage from looking too closely. It, if you know, if if you're criticized, and I, I, that's not that's not the entire story with Angelos, uh, clearly as you've shown. But if you're criticized for uh, looking too closely at a guy's medicals, and if players, you know, criticize you for it, then they, in 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 a in a weird way, keep you from necessarily getting as much useful information as you should. I don't know.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's it it's a human game. Like, there's there's signing, you know, the human element cliche, right? It's it's just a part of what it is. It's not like they're signing robots or uh, you know rose on a simulation spreadsheet
0: and mm-hmm. can you can you go back to uh the the Sidney Ponson story and I guess the the Denny Nagel story is sort of the same story
1: yeah so there's a couple incidents in which owners tried to get out of the whole guaranteed contract thing and the, the first one was uh was Denny Nagel with the Rockies he was charged for soliciting a sex act in Colorado and uh the Rockies tried to cut him under this sportsmanship clause in the contract, which is really vague and says that a player can be can be uh, can have his contract terminated should he fail, refuse, or neglect to conform his personal conduct to the standards of good citizenship and sportsmanship. Which sounds like it's something from the first national agreement in 1879, <laughs> and there's no way that would be. Uh, I've been reading about the the antitrust and the the contract law that's that goes on with this stuff, not strictly enforceable from what I've read, and and that's pretty much what's happened here. Denny Nagel settled, got 16 million of the 19 and a half million, and uh, the Orioles and. Ponsone had the same thing. The Orioles tried to cut him after uh, a second DUI in, I believe, a calendar year. And, uh, you yeah, know, the Orioles tried to do the same thing. And, again, there was a settlement. They didn't disclose a dollar amount here, but I would imagine it was somewhere close to most of it, just like with Nagel. So because you can't get around the guaranteed contract. It's it's very specific in, in the contract language, and this is something the Union is going to fight tooth and nail to keep. Mm-hmm. So,
0: uh Sort of the same question then, um, uh, should we, should we mind if a team attempts to get out of a deal like this for off the field reasons? Because obviously if, if Sydney Punzone had been the best pitcher in baseball at the time, or Denny Nagel had been an ace, uh, team probably would have let it slide and not tried to push the envelope and tried to apply this, this clause, uh, But because it's Sidney Ponson and and you don't want to to pay him to pitch for you, you might take this opportunity to try to get out of the contract. Um, Is that something that we should care about? Should we we move an owner down our mental list of owner rankings because of that? Or should we just say that he's, in a way... uh, Looking out for the team, even if it's you know, even if his primary motivation is is self interest.
1: Yeah, I think it's extraordinarily cynical to, to pull that move because, as you say, there's there is no way when uh, so Giovanni Gallardo for the Brewers had a DUI a couple years ago. There's no way he was getting cut. He was the best pitcher on the team or the second best pitcher on the team, depending on when they had traded for Grankey I can't remember, but either way, it, it's just not. I mean, I can understand not getting terribly angry about it, right? Like, I, I don't expect people to feel bad for Ponceau, and I don't expect people to feel bad for Nagel, but this is just... I, I think the owners, and I think the history would bear this out, ha, have really tried to kill the guaranteed contract whenever they can, and at and any, kind of, any kind of opening like this... It may seem like it's just about you know Sydney Ponson and the DUIs. I, I'm never quite convinced that's all it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and yet, uh, despite having a meddlesome owner, uh, the Orioles have have been somewhat successful over the last few years, which, which I guess makes me wonder what how much damage a meddlesome owner can do. Um, And maybe it depends on the meddlesome owner. Maybe there are owners who meddle in ways that don't really hurt the team so much. Um, Maybe it just depends on on how bad the owner's instincts are. Uh, But perhaps we should be crediting Dan Duquette with an even better job over the last few years of making the Orioles competitive in that he has had to deal with, with these conditions that seemingly no other GM candidates at the time that he was hired wanted to wanted to work under
1: yeah maybe I, I'm I'm tempted to say that you know it was Andy McPhail that built the farm system that produced guys like Manny Machado uh he mm-hmm. made the trades for Adam Jones and Chris Davis uh I, th- I think when you go back and drafted Matt Weiders, I believe I think when you go back and you look at most of the impact players on the Orioles teams over the last two years mm-hmm I don't. I don't think you can really say they were Ducat guys. hmm
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wrote something similar in the in the annual this year. But uh, I. The I guess the greatest sin for an owner is probably not spending. Uh, an owner can get away with a lot of things with a fan base if he's willing to put money into the payroll, uh, which at at times Angeles has been willing to do that, but. Hasn't been lately, and doesn't seem to be now. At a time when you can at least make the case that the Orioles need to spend, uh, and they've they've been connected to some free agents lately, some pitchers. But for the most part, it's been quiet. And maybe in part that's why there's sort of renewed renewed attention on what Angelos is actually doing, uh, because he's kind of violating the the cardinal rule of. Ownership, at least at least as far as fans are concerned, which is not pouring money back into the team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would I would not be happy to be an Orioles fan. They they had some pretty great history from you know about the mid 60s through the mid 90s uh, into the late 90s with Cal Ripken, and they haven't done anything over the last 15 years except except for uh, the 2012 run. Mm -hmm. And I I really think that a franchise in that market with that history, with that fan base, I I think it's definitely reasonable to ask for more. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, uh, we wish the best of luck to any free agents who may sign with the Orioles and undergo physicals with them. Uh, Thanks for uh, coming on and and summarizing the situation for us, Jack. Uh, You can... Find Jack Moore's work at Sports on Earth and the Score and the Classical uh, and also in the Baseball Prospectus Annual this year. He wrote for a, a few chapters and on Twitter at JH underscore Moore. Uh, so thanks for coming on, Jack.
1: Thanks for having me, Ben.
0: And we will be back tomorrow with the email show, so please send us some emails at podcast at com.
2: Ben started to sort of like breathe heavily or something and you said, I'm sorry, were you going to say something? And Ben said, no, I thought that was the entire podcast of the last 374 episodes in a microcosm.
1: (laughs) Well, good, good. I'm glad I can be representative. Yeah, good work. You caught on quickly. (laughs) Thanks.